Hi, Gary Zacharias again with the Apologist Bookshelf. I love books that make me think. I love books that surprise me. I like books that challenge me. And uh, since history was my minor while I was in college, I've got a book that fulfills all those things. It's called God's Battalions by Rodney Stark. And I really like him. He wrote a book called The Rise of Christianity that was good as well, and a book called The Victory of Reason. Uh, he's a professor at Baylor University. He's written, I think, something like over 30 books. And this book, In God's Battalions, he takes a look at the long-held view about the Crusades and how awful they were. And it was all part of European colonialism. It was all a land grab. It was a way to loot the land there. And it was barbarians, barbarian Christians descending on these poor, cultivated Muslims who become victims. And he actually argues that the Crusades were a military response to Muslim aggression. And so he looks at the Crusades. He shows that they were precipitated by Islamic provocations and um, attacks on Christian pilgrims and things like that. I don't really want to do as much of the history of this. I think that's fascinating. Now, like I said, I love the history angle. But he has a different part that really uh, knocked me out. This was a chapter called um, Western Ignorance versus Eastern Culture. Now think about that for just a minute. That's the big picture that we get these days, that the West was barbaric, it was uncivilized, it was uncouth, it was dark, the Dark Ages. And uh, then you contrast that with the East, with the Muslims, and they had all the culture. And uh, he takes that on. He says that's been the received wisdom that Europe was slumbering through the Dark Ages, but that science and learning were flourishing in Islam. And he has some quotes from some pretty well-known people, Bernard Lewis, for example, in a study. He said Islam had achieved the, quote, the highest level so far in human history in the arts and sciences of civilization. Meanwhile, he says, of course, medieval Europe was a pupil and in a sense dependent on the Islamic world. And so he says, now something happened, Lewis says something happened, that Europe uh, began to outpace the Muslims, and he's puzzled. And the title of his book is, What Went Wrong? In other words, here the Muslims were doing so well, and Europe was doing so terribly as far as culture went, and then it all switched. How could that be? Well, he says, uh, this is uh, Stark talking here, he says, my answer to Lewis's question, nothing went wrong. And in fact, he says, and this is what the whole chapter is about, that this business about Muslim culture and how wonderful it was being superior to that of Europe, he says, is at best an illusion. And so that's what I wanted to look at today because that's a part of history that challenged me and surprised me and I thought was fascinating. By the way, he's not just winging all this material in the back. He's got all of these footnotes. He's got a bibliography list. I don't even know how many books are on the list. I didn't try to add them up, but uh, probably 200 at least, maybe more than that. And so um, now he's going to challenge Lewis. Nothing went wrong, he says. Muslim culture, it was an illusion that it was better than Europe. So here's his overall point, and then I want to hit uh, some of the highlights. The big picture that he comes up with is that how did the Arab elites get a sophisticated culture? He said they learned it from their subject peoples. So they did not originate this. It was from their subject peoples. It says uh, that they actually inherited 
the skills and the knowledge coming out of the Middle East from Greece and Persia and India. So he said this business about this Arabic culture was actually the culture of the conquered people. It was the Judeo-Christian Greek culture of Byzantium, uh, heretical Christian groups like the Copts and the Nestorians, a lot of information from Zoroastrian sources in Persia, and from the great uh, math achievements of the Hindus. So that's where it all comes down to. It says this legacy of learning, it was translated from the Greeks into Arab, Arabic, and some of it, he said, did get assimilated in Arab culture, but the learning was basically continued by the demi populations living under Arab regimes. So when he uses that word demi, it means the Jews and the Christians who refused to convert to Islam. So that was the source of the information. So he says, as, as these demis slowly assimilated, much which that was claimed to be sophisticated Arab culture disappeared. So let's take a look at some of the details. For example, uh, he talks about the fleets, the Muslim fleets. They built a bunch of ships. Yeah, well, they were designed, built, and sailed by demis, the uh, Jews and the Christians who were under their control. Architecture, what about that? It was a demi achievement adapted from Persian and Byzantine origins. What else? Well, what about uh, Arabs in science and engineering? Well, Donald Hill, he references him, said that very little could be traced to Arab origin, origins and admitted that actually it was the conquered populations that did so much for science and engineering. Avicenna ranks as the most influential of all Muslim philosopher-scientists. He was a Persian. Omar Khayyam, Persian. And uh, he mentions a whole bunch of specifics here. How about this? Uh, leading figures in medical knowledge came from Nestorian Christians. How about the famous astronomer and astrologer, Athari? I hope I'm pronouncing it right. He was a Jew. He said you could go on for pages of this. So this contributions business to Arabic science, they gave these contributors Arabic names and their works were published in Arabic, which may sound like they were Arab. They weren't. How about math? Well, the Arabic numbers actually came from the Hindus. Okay. Uh, how about astronomy? Most of the credit, they, he says, should not go to the Arabs, but to Hindus and Persians. Uh, what about, uh, let's see, medicine and Arabic numbers? Nestorian Christian was the origin of that. Okay. In fact, he says even Muslim historians who are partisans on the side of the Muslims said they agree that the sophisticated culture originated where? With the conquered populations. But that's been ignored, of course, in the West here. All right. Let's pick some more uh, specific areas. Well, um, what about the fact that they had all these classical writers? Isn't that great? That should show that they had a superior culture. But it says what's less known is the negative impact that this Greek scholarship had on the Arabs. It says they didn't see this as, I say they, the Arabs, didn't really see some of these Greek works as, a, as attempts to answer questions. They just read them kind of the same way they read the Quran. It was just settled. It was truth. It was, you didn't question it. You didn't contradict it. And so they just took on, for example, Aristotle. And so they imposed everything about Aristotle as if it was infallible. And of course, Aristotle wasn't infallible. So... It says, whereas in the West, 
when they discovered Aristotle and thought about his work, said it provoked experimentation and discovery. How about books and libraries? Wouldn't that be a sign of culture? Muslims, oh, they had so many books by classical authors. And it says there were libraries already before the Arabs came along and conquered their land. But is it true that the Muslims valued libraries? No. It says uh, it was an anti-intellectual attitude. If you read, he says, Muslim political history, says you find out that, for example, uh, let's see, Matawakal, again, apologize, probably butchering his name. He became caliph in 847. What did he do to start with? Stifled independent research and scientific inquiry. He increased the suppression of religious dissent by force. And says, so did the successors. And so it says, some rulers, he said, yes, yeah, some rulers were more tolerant than others of scholars and books and learning, but not very tolerant overall. He uses an example of Saladin, the famous 12th century Muslim hero. Western uh, authors and, and historians uh, admire him greatly. He closed the official library in Cairo and discarded the books. Does that sound cultured? No. He, uh, uh, he then, Stark then, talks about the mythical Dark Ages. And I've covered that other places, so I don't know how much I'm going to spend on that, but uh, time to spend on that. But it says that's an illusion that the, that the Christian lands were so backward. You know, that when Rome fell, uh, the Christians took over and everything went black. Superstition covered the world. Well, I said, not true. And he gives some examples of people who bought into that. And he says, these claims are malicious. And he said, they're ignorant. They're ignorant. And he says, actually, these centuries that are called the Dark Ages are, were one of the great innovative eras of mankind. Technology was developed and put into use on a huge scale. In fact, he, he claims that these Dark Ages that was the time that Europe began the great leap forward that put it far ahead of the rest of the world. In fact, I've heard other places that historians don't even talk about the Dark Ages anymore. They say that's a misnomer. Yeah, no kidding. Um, so it says, uh, let's see if I can find something else about uh, contrasts. Well, again, I think because of, of having talked about it some before, I won't spend much time on it, but in areas like transportation, how about this? Is this bizarre or what? Following the Muslim conquest of Egypt, North Africa, and Spain, the wheel disappeared from this area. No carts, no wagons, everything was hand-carried. It wasn't because the Arabs lacked knowledge about the wheel. They just thought it was of little use. Really? Okay, well, the Europeans did all sorts of things when it came to transportation, way ahead of uh, the Arabs. So there's a section here on agriculture. The way their plows, the Europeans were well ahead of that, uh, the adoption of a three-field system. So it said during the Dark Ages, the Europeans were eating a lot better than the common people had anywhere, ever. What about military might? Again, it was the West that did far better than the East said they had better armor and all, said no wonder they were able to, small army, able to go in and, and uh, thrash the Muslims when they went into the Holy Land. So I'll skip all that part about the different kinds of uh, weaponry. Lots of information on that there. I will skip that. So toward the end of the chapter, here's what he has to say. 
says, even if we grant the claims that educated Arabs possess superior knowledge of classical authors and had all these uh, great mathematicians and astronomers, but I said, the fact remains they lagged far behind when it comes to saddles, stirrups, horseshoes, wagons, carts, draft horses, harnesses, plows, crossbows, Greek fire, shipwrights, sailors, productive agriculture, effective armor, and well-trained infantry. So the big picture is that that's a very unfair and a very biased view to talk about Western ignorance being up against the culture of the Muslim land. So that's what I mean. This book really surprised me. It's been out for a while now, and I think it was out in '09. but it, it's a great uh, conversation starter, and uh, of course it could upset a lot of people as well. But uh, it really does take on these comfortable myths that scholars have popularized about the Crusades ever since 9-11. All of a sudden, people are rewriting history and uh, making the Muslims look a lot better than they were when it comes to history. And uh, so I, you might take a look at the book. Very easy to read and uh, thoughtful, and it will make you think twice, I think, about uh, this time period, the Crusades. We've all bought into these stereotypic uh, ideas of them. So, Rodney Stark's book, God's Battalions. Take a look at it sometime. All right, thanks. Talk to you later.